Hello, everyone. I'm Paul Menzel. And I'm Jim Conlon. And this is New Tricks for Old Dogs. Our podcast features the many ways us older men and women howl at the moon, odd news items you don't normally hear about, and conversations with other old dogs who are growing bolder, not older. So if you've got 25 minutes or so, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a chair, and join us. In this episode, the old dogs ramble about rambling. That is, the tendency for many of us to let our minds wander. We discuss the true definition of that everyday word, jiffy. We get our latest report from Kathleen O'Brien, our chief aging officer. We present another old doggerel. We marvel at the research people are doing on the language of pigs. And we dig into the phenomenon of the wandering mind. The Old Dog's conversation is with David Rossell, a financial advisor with a special approach to investing in retirement. Stay with us. Hey, Paul. Yo. Paul? I'm sorry. You have to repeat everything twice? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I just lost track. I, what's on your mind? Uh, okay, good lead in, Jim. Well, you know, we have a pod nugget today about the benefits of letting your mind wander. We do? Yeah. So I thought that might be a good topic uh, for our ramble because I let my mind wander a lot. Partly it's because we have some 70-odd years of experiences and so sometimes the topic at hand reminds you of something that happened 40, 50 years ago. Oh, yeah. And the mind wanders. Yes. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, what about you? I don't think it's a bad thing either. I think everybody else thinks it's a bad thing when you're doing it. Yeah, that really. Seems to be the problem. Paul, Paul, come Hello? back. Hello. Anybody <laughs> Are home? you there? Well, uh, there are so many memories jammed into this small brain that uh, they're bound to leak out occasionally, and here I am. <laughs> and leaving a puddle at your feet. <laughs> well, you know, the pod nugget implies that uh, if you are engaged in something worthwhile, your job, for example, and you let your mind wander, that it's kind of a brief respite from your day. It refreshes you. Yeah, I think a lot of things I encounter do remind me of what happened years ago. Is that the only way that your mind wanders? Can it wander, let's say, uh, in current time, uh, about something that's not historical? Why are you asking about my mind? What about your mind? <laughs> well, because I'm curious. Oh, okay. Well, what, what happens when you wander? You know, my mind occasionally will wander about music, thinking about composing some music. And I just let my mind wander about it. I can come up with ideas that I think are fresh and exciting. Well, I'll tell you another instance. If what you are doing is not all that engaging, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, your mind will wander. Uh, yeah. My mind will. I don't know about your mind. I can't speak for your mind. You know, in those cases, and I recognize that, my mind tends to wander probably in a bad way. I start thinking about, I wonder what she meant by what she said, or, uh, geez, I, I shouldn't have done that this morning, or, what, you know, things that you don't want to remember. Or, I hope there's no test on what this person is saying, <laughs> because way. I'm going to uh, fail it. Yeah. Well, anyway, I, I think ultimately it is... Uh, Something that happens quite frequently for folks our age, and I think it's a manifestation of this long history that we have trailing behind us in life, and that there are no new situations to us. They all are kind of remind us of something else that's happened in our life, don't you think? 
Yes, when I was a boy. I'm sorry, have I lost you? Is, <laughs> is your mind wandering at the moment? <laughs> you probably used the expression, I'll be there in a jiffy, thinking it was just a vague promise to be somewhere soon. However, a jiffy is an actual unit of measurement, and the odds are that you won't make it in time. This pod nugget is from the website interestingfacts.com. Well, you can choose between two definitions for a jiffy. Gilbert Newton Lewis defined a jiffy as the time it takes for light to travel one centimeter in a vacuum. However, some physicists prefer the definition of a jiffy as the time it takes light to travel one femtometer, which is a millionth of a millionth of a millimeter. In either case, we're talking about a very small fraction of a second. So unless you have a transporter room in your home office, promising to be somewhere in a jiffy is an empty promise. In the interest of more precise speech, we suggest this substitution. I will be there in several trillion jiffies, or a half hour, whichever comes first. Now, doesn't that seem more responsible? Well, yeah, but it doesn't sort of flow off the tongue, does it? No. No. Now, here's our eighth installment from Kathleen O'Brien, our chief aging officer. Kathleen, you'll recall, is the author of Grow Old, Be Happy. The other day, I went to an upscale chicken joint to pick up sandwiches. I had a list of things I wanted to order with a question about the spicy chicken. I didn't bring my phone with me. The moment I stepped through the doors of the chicken place, though, I wish I had... There was no one at the counter, certainly no one to ask about the spiciness of the chicken. There were simply four machines. Apparently, you use your phone to order on them with something called a QR code. QR stands for quick response. No, we're not talking about ER docs or a police tactical team. We're talking about ordering a meal. And for some reason in 2022, it must be quick. QR codes are everywhere. They're even on TV. If you want a discount on a product, you just hold up your phone to the TV screen and scan the funny box with the ink spots on it. The ink spots used to be a vocal group. Now they've taken over our lives. I can put up with QR codes when I download an airplane boarding pass, but I strongly object to them when I'm in the mood for spicy fare. Just yesterday, my husband and I ducked into a Chinese restaurant for lunch. The hostess seated us at a table and handed us a menu, but it was simply their wine list. For lunch, we had to pull out our phones because the QR code displayed on the table held all the secrets to what we had actually come into the restaurant for, food. I admit I'm intransigent when it comes to certain rituals, one being having a menu handed to me at a restaurant. Another, a waiter, I can ask about the subtleties of certain dishes. Is life passing me by, or is it the ability to live life that's passing me by? Of all the innovations in the last 50 years, I'm not sure menuless and waiterless dining is at the top of my list. At least let me do something in this modern world that doesn't require a phone. 
For our next edition to Old Doggerel, we would like you to think about the times when you volunteered unsolicited stories about your youth. Oh, I certainly can, Paul. Now, the point of these stories is that when you were young, you were braver, more resourceful, smarter, just around all, just better than young people are today. Right. These stories usually start with, when I was your age, or you couldn't get away with that when I was growing up. Instead of generating interest about what you are saying, you are building a tall brick wall between you and your listeners. So let's call these generational judgments what they are. They are old folk tales. Stories told by old folks that are dusty, musty, and fallen apart at the seams. A biased and inaccurate retelling about the world we grew up in. This is not to be confused with solicited stories about when we were younger. Let's say your grandkids are curious about your early life. One of life's great pleasures is sharing the surprises and embarrassments we experienced growing up. Uh, It wasn't better, just different, right? Yeah, yeah, and you're right, it wasn't better. Well, apparently pigs are one of the most vocal animals in the barnyard. And researchers have discovered a noticeable difference between happy grunts and unhappy grunts. This pod nugget is from the New York Times for March 9th, 2022. To crack the code of pig expression, scientists in five research labs in Europe used handheld microphones to record roughly 7,400 distinct sounds from 411 different pigs. Researchers then made an educated guess about how the pig felt about the event that was happening during the recording. Grunts associated with positive emotions, such as the sounds that pigs make when feeding or reuniting with their mothers, tend to be shorter with a one-note tone. Grunts from an unhappy pig, such as being crushed by a mother's sow, don't you hate that, Jim? Or awaiting slaughter are longer in duration and more variable in tone. The study is a project sponsored by the European Union to improve animal health and welfare. Researchers are now looking to partner with an engineer who can incorporate their data into an app that farmers can use to interpret pig speak in real time. Now, whether contented pigs produce better tasting bacon will take a totally different study, Mm. one in which we old dogs would gratefully participate. Amen. I wonder if they're studying French pigs and German pigs and Belgian pigs. Do they grunt differently? Uh, There's probably an accent. Yeah. You know, we always thought that letting your mind wander displayed a lack of focus, a weakness like Walter Mitty. Well, now some experts suggest setting aside time to let your mind wander can enhance your creativity and mood. This pod nugget is from the Washington Post for April 4th, 2022. According to a recent study, 60% of adults in the United States reported sometimes feeling too busy to enjoy life, and 52% said they were usually trying to do at least two things at once. The antidote to feeling harried may be doing nothing, or rather allowing some time for mind-wandering. Eric Dane, an associate professor of organizational behavior at Washington University, advocates giving your mind a chance to wander. He and other experts believe that simply slowing down enough to give your mind a chance to stray off topic and reflect can be all the nothingness you need to feel less harried. Mind-wandering refers to thoughts that pop up spontaneously that aren't connected to the task at hand or our surroundings. According to a 2017 meta-study, letting your mind wander enhances creativity and may play a significant part in problem-solving and learning. 
So, the next time you're caught daydreaming and your partner asks if you're listening, the correct response is, your comments have helped me get a whole new perspective on what I was thinking. Thank you. David Rossell is a world traveler and a financial advisor with a long track record of helping people to grow their portfolios. David has now written a book called Failure is Not an Option, Creating Certainty in the Uncertainty of Retirement. He also hosts a podcast called Recession Proof Your Retirement. We asked David to tell us about the different strategies we need to consider once we stop earning income. You've traveled to 65 countries. 75 now. (laughs) 75 now, and you're aiming for 100 before you're in a wheelchair. Right. What's behind that? What's that all about? Uh. You know, it goes back to when I was 15 and I started my first business that I sold 15 years later at the age of 30. And we um, took a product from recycled car tires and applied it onto asphalt driveways. And Mother Nature forced us to shut down operations during the winter months. So I would get my backpack, my one man tent and a little stove, and I would uh, use my credit card with free frequent flyer mileage. And I would go to Southeast Asia for six months. And then I, the next year I was like, wow, mom and dad, I'm going to only do this driveway business one more year. I promise then I'll get a real job. And then I'd go to Africa for six months. And so 10 years later, I had spent a month in 65 different countries. And what is the legacy of all that traveling? How have you brought that into your life? Well, it's shifted my way of thinking and I think opened my mind more than it would have been if I hadn't traveled. Uh, but what I've done, you know, through my books and my podcast is, you know, financial planning is kind of a mundane topic and a heavy topic for most people out there. And so I, uh, I mix my two passions in life, that for international adventure travel and the other for helping people with their finances. And when you mix them and you start a chapter with a riveting travel story that leads into a financial lesson, And then when there's one too many graphs, you go into the next chapter with another travel story, such as being in Berlin the day the wall came down, and then link that into who would have thought the impossible would become a reality 20 years later when the financial walls came tumbling down Mm. in a way. And so you're just adding some real life uh, and a levity to a very heavy topic. Why do you say it's heavy? Very few people are really educated on money, how it works, the power of compound interest. Uh, that you don't need to do anything extraordinary to be independent of the paycheck. You just have to do some ordinary things extraordinarily well. Mm-hmm. And most people out there learned about finance from their parents. And what do their parents know about finance? Very little. And where did they learn about finance? From their parents who lived through the Great Depression mm-hmm. and have money associated to fear and lack right. and a poverty right. mentality. Mm-hmm. In your book, you also... Uh, kind of positive spiritual aspect to retirement? You know, a generation or two ago, we'd get our gold watch after working Mm -hmm. for the same company our entire careers. We'd be 65. And three years later, we were dead. Now people are retiring earlier, living longer. um, And uh, no one, you know, that word retirement means to be put out of use or to end. And no one really wants to be put out of use. So a lot of people know what they're retiring from, but very few people I'm finding have an idea of what they want to retire into. Um, that's one aspect. The other aspect is I talked about living with a Fijian tribe for a month, and I realized that they had uh, very little riches. They had dirt floors, no windows. Um, they didn't have iPads or certainly not IRAs. It sounds uh, like my house. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
I talk about how these people had, I realized at a young age that they had zero riches and yet they were the happiest people I'd ever met. And then I learned that there's no word in the Fijian language for stress because these people, they had nothing as far as the dollar signs. And so they weren't rich, but I considered them wealthy. And I talk about how wealth comes more from the heart. So it sounds like your work as a financial planner isn't just financial. It isn't just about money. People think it's about money when they're doing financial planning, but it's what money can do for them. And at the end of the day, when you peel off the layers of the onion and ask people, well, what is important about money to you? And they say, um, to not have stress. Well, what does it mean to not have stress with money? And you keep peeling off. And at the end of the day, people just want freedom. They want peace of mind. Now, you've got this little thing you do with people to remind them to be grateful for what they have. So you give them gratitude stones, right? Tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have um, a whole stack of gratitude stones, and we don't just hand out gratitude stones to everyone that walks in the door and says, be grateful. But at a certain time, and not everyone, but maybe 75% of the people we meet with, there'll be a time where somehow that just naturally comes into the conversation um, I do a lot of speaking around the country, and when I'm done, I give my talk on gratitude, and I talk about how I use my gratitude stone. And then I said, if anyone would like a gratitude stone, and I have them in black sure. onyx and, and in a green stone and a rose quartz, I'll meet someone years later, and they say, David, I met you, and I still hold on to this, and my wife had cancer, and every day I would hold on. You know, you hear these incredible stories over this tiny little stone. That's a fairly simple shift, um, but it's also complex, and that is to shift from fear to gratitude as an outlook towards life. Uh, and I think that's that's such a valuable thing for people in retirement uh, where, where there's a real danger to end up living in fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I talk about in, in the book I sent you, uh, fear, and people who are in retirement who don't really have the knowledge because knowledge is power. So a lot of people are living on X amount of dollars per year. Um, and they're doing that based on that's just their gut feeling. And every time they take a withdrawal out of their IRA or their 401k, they have fear. Um, and lots of times we're putting together plans for people in retirement where we're actually saying you have the highest probability of not outliving your income if you live on 122% of what you're living on. And we are able to show them that. And now they're able to implement decisions based on knowledge instead of fear. We're going to have a huge population of retired people. Is there a danger of developing a permanent underclass of people that are living on a fixed income that is being reduced uh, by inflation? I I think uh, that is an accurate statement that could become a reality. I recently heard a quote that said that 80% of 80-year-olds get 80% of their income from Social Security. And that is frightening because Social Security, if we go back two generations ago and people retired at 65 and were dead three and a half years later, was helped to supplement that three and a half year period. And now people are depending on Social Security to get them through retirement, which was never its initial intent. In 1980, there were 17 people in the workforce that were funding Social Security for every one recipient. Now we have under three people in the workforce funding every one recipient. And it's a broken system, uh, and it's it's blowing up in front of our eyes right now. Uh, and it's uh, fascinating to think about 
the possibilities of retirement, as the title of your book says, failure is not an option. And uh, so you look at it in a positive way and say, what can I do to avoid failure? This book is for anyone who's approaching retirement or in the retirement, because uh, the lessons in there are appropriate for everybody. The book's intention out there is to help all people out there. Um, we, we don't really have, you know, we're working with people in the second half of their financial journey. What do you think about people that want to continue holding a job? Oh, past their I mean, 60s. That's a lot of what we talk about. One of the reasons I don't really like the word retirement above and beyond what we already shared about its meaning is so many people feel like they don't have purpose in retirement. So uh, we're finding a lot more of our clients. We, I like the term financial independence or being independent of the paycheck because a lot of our clients are in, they're independent of the paycheck, all of them, but they choose to open up a coffee shop because they want to have purpose. They miss the connections with people. They miss being an employer. They're not doing it because they're dependent on the paycheck that will eventually come in. Um, and I find that when you open up a company and you don't have the stress of being dependent on a paycheck from it, you flourish that much more. All right, let's talk about the different approaches you mentioned to building wealth before you retire and then drawing on that wealth after retirement. Yeah, well, keep in mind that the investments that get us up the financial mountain in the accumulation phase are often not the best types of investments to get us down the mountain safely. And so in the millennial book, if we were talking to millennials, I'd be all in favor of them hitting a few home runs. Hank Aaron hit more legal home runs than anyone in baseball. Hank Aaron struck out more than any baseball player in history. And when you're in the distribution phase and you're no longer adding to your 401ks and IRAs, and now you're going to be living on it for two, three, and sometimes four decades, we can never hit home runs anymore because if we're hitting home runs, we got to be willing to strike out a lot and we cannot strike out anymore. There, there are no more mulligans. One topic that's um, front and center right now is inflation and people are certainly aware of inflation. And even though it's at a 40 year high at 8% and increasing, um, it's important to remind readers and listeners that, you know, inflation was 18% in 1980. Um, mortgages were that high. You got 18% in the money market. But we always go back to the law of averages, which is between 3 and 4%. So something that's $100 this year, next year will be in general $103.50. But you're 40 years of age, you speak to your financial advisor, and you say, I want to retire when I'm 60. And I want to live on $100,000 a year net of taxes. Well, mathematically speaking, at 3.5% inflation, the cost of living doubles every 20 years. So that advisor has to inform that client that we have to have enough in your account when you hit the top of the financial mountain so that we're taking out $200,000 that year to buy what $100,000 buys. And people will say, you know what, that's just fuzzy numbers and this and that. And I'll say to you, you know, how much did you spend on your last car and how much money did your parents spend on their first home? Because I'll guarantee everything I own that you spent more money on your last car, Jim, than your parents spent on their first home. And that sums it up. So it's an ominous thing, but that's where it's really important to really focus this message on people in the accumulation phase. Um, 
I don't like that word fear, but I, it's important to have that wake up call going. You mean if I have a million dollars in my retirement account, by the time I retire, I'll be a millionaire, but that's only going to feed me $40,000 a year that I then have to pay taxes on. So people say, I want to have a million dollars. It's not going to butter the biscuit. If people want to know more about your thoughts, uh, can you tell us your books, podcasts, other ways they can get in touch with you? Yeah, it's, it's David Roselle and um, at RoselleWealthManagement.com. And Roselle is spelled R-O-S-E-L-L, WealthManagement.com. Um, I have a podcast called Recession Proof Your Retirement. Uh, so tune in on uh, your favorite podcast channel uh, to that. And, uh, and you can pick up uh, Failure's Not an Option and Keep Climbing at Amazon.com. Like what you've been hearing? How about sharing the joy with your friends? We can always use more listeners. There are more episodes on the way, so stay tuned and keep howling at the moon.